Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Industry Focus. I'm Nick Seipel. This week, I'm joined by my good friend and advisor on The Motley Fool's recently launched Energy Insider Service, Jim Mueller, to discuss how we're bringing the foolish investment approach to renewable energy. Jim, thank you for joining me. Good morning. How are you? Uh, great to have you uh, here with me. Always excited to be here with you. Uh, Jim, I, I mentioned before we started recording, I think last time I had you on the podcast, we were back in the <laughs> studio. It was back when we were, when we were in uh, the before times, the actual real office days. But it's great to have you here with me on, on Zoom to talk about renewable energy. Yeah, the before times sounds so medieval, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's a thing. It's it, COVID, of course, has been such a traumatic, traumatic thing that it's it's really divided our t- our personal timelines in, into two different parts. Weird. Yeah, I mean, uh, the quote that comes to mind for me about the past year or so it's uh, Peter Thiel, and he talks about you know the future is really the extent to which uh, tomorrow is different from today. And so if you have this long period where, where it's kind of sameness forever, then to a certain extent, the future is a long way away. But if things change really rapidly, then the future is now. And I feel like for the past year and a half, yeah. we've been living in the future is now. Um, I think when we talk about the future, I think a lot of the people, a lot of people would say that renewable energy are the future. Renewable energy is the future of our of our energy grid, making a cleaner, renewable uh energy and uh maybe that ties into our our main topic today where we, we mentioned off the off the bat that we just launched that the motley fools energy insider service that you're working on jim so from a high level what makes renewable energy a compelling investment theme for you well it's the it's the fact that there's a lot of uh potential still in the energy space uh it renewables are primarily uh, hydro, solar, photo, uh, PV, which is solar photovoltaic, and wind. Uh, but most people kind of ignore the hydro part and just think solar and wind. And it's a and they think it's oh you know, it's a huge market. It's grown so much so far. And this is from uh, Ren Twenty One. Uh, they've uh, they're a group that's been following the energy space for the last couple of decades almost, and they put out an annual report uh, in the summer covering uh, what's been happening in the previous year. And so this is data as of the end of 2020. And what I've got here is a chart showing the the consumption of total energy around the world, and about half of it is from heat, thermal, used to heat things or cook things. Uh, about a third of it is transport, that is uh, automobiles and trucks and trains and all that stuff. And on less than 20%, less than 50, uh, one-fifth of the energy used in the world is from electricity. And we think that, oh, renewables are a great big part of it, but it's really quite small. Uh, some numbers, I, the, the chart breaks down. So 2.1% of that 51% for thermal is from renewable electricity, which works out to just 1% of the total. And uh, for transport, less, about 0.3% is renewable electricity, which is 0.1% of the total. And 27%, renewable energy is mostly in power, but it's still roughly a quarter of all, all the power produced. And that works out to 4.6% of the total world. So roughly 120th of the world, 5.78% if you add up those numbers, uh, comes from, of the energy that we use worldwide, everything included, comes from renewable energy. And so there's still a lot of growth to go uh, 
to grow forward for this. And uh, so, yeah, there, there, there's a lot of tailwinds behind this uh, space. And that's what, what that's why I think it's uh, a compelling space to invest in now. Right. When you think about energy, uh, the power turning on is really uh, a key component to all these things we do today. We talk about you know how we're talking on, on Zoom today. You really need energy to do that if you're at 5% and it, theoretically you're going to go up to 100%. And what, one other thing to mention is power demand goes up year after year mm-hmm. after year because we like to do more things and watch more Netflix or, or any of those sorts of things. So you have a, a small portion of a very large and growing market uh, that, that renewable can capture. Yeah, the thing though is that as pow- as power uh, as energy needs go-, go up, it's being fulfilled by fossil fuels, by coal and oil and natural gas. Uh, so renewables, even though they're growing and keeping pace, their share of it hasn't really uh, has uh, the the share of fossil fuel based energy hasn't started falling, and we really need that to happen if we're going to uh, avoid uh, major effects from climate change. And and that, that also ties into this tailwinds. Uh, more and more people around the world are realizing, hey, this climate change thing is real. I mean, we were getting droughts when we didn't have droughts. We're getting floods and major storms, and our hurricanes are stronger, or, or our typhoons are stronger. And yeah, so... Um, Many companies are are getting onto this. Uh, I don't want to call it a bandwagon, but I guess it is by definition. Trend, uh, trend, maybe a trend. There we go. There we go. Uh, and and pledging to get more and more of their energy from renewable sources. And uh, we're talking large, world-spanning companies like uh, Apple, for instance. So uh, there's there's a lot of tailwinds, but it's not going to be. If if you think this this thing is gonna we're gonna get rid of fossil fuels in the next five years, no, that's not gonna happen. It's, it's gonna take several decades before we fully uh, transition away from the use of uh, coal and natural gas and uh, oil. Right. So we tell this story about this truly is a, a long term investment trend. I think most folks would agree that renewable energy is going to grow over time. The pace of that, uh, uh, who knows? When you think about investing in that trend. Where are the places that you know? How do you decide where to look and the places to avoid? Right. So um, when we're when we're picking the companies to launch the Energy Insider service, uh, Ben Ben Ross, uh, my colleague on that service, uh, he's a fantastic analyst, and he and I were looking at companies uh, that have a direct connection to the renewable space, um, but they but they but they don't have to be solely on the renewable space. And so, for instance, we have one company that um, has only small, a small part of its revenue coming from renewables that we we think is going to become bigger as renewables grow uh, larger. But then on the other hand, we have another company, and we're going to discuss it, that is 100% tied to renewables, uh, solar panels. And so we want a, we were looking for companies that have a direct connection to renewables, a growing connection to renewables, um, and... and for instance, uh, and and the renewable space is is so wide. It, it encompasses not just electricity generation, wind and solar, uh, but also technology that makes uh, use of electricity smarter. Uh, so the the so called smart grid that uh, is slowly growing out, uh, or changing from fossil fuels to electricity for transportation. Uh, big use is diesel for things like train engines and truck engines and and all kinds of transportation, not just. Uh, the Teslas of the world with electric vehicles. I mean, those are coming, but uh, there's there's more to that story than just than the Teslas of the world. Right. So, so looking for uh, emerging niches in in renewable uh, energy. Are there any specific trends or, or, or sectors that you know what I, I just don't want to touch in uh, in renewables? Well, the ones we uh, 
don't really want to touch, even though we might end up with one, uh, one of them is like the oil and gas explorers. Uh, we want a company, if, if we go that route, we'd want a company that is actually making real effort to go in, go into renewables and not just uh, whitewash, uh, sorry, greenwashing is the term, greenwashing their name or, or their uh, PR stories or stuff. Uh, and we also don't want uh, companies that are subject to commodity pricing that they, so that, that means we're not going to do a solar manufacturer because those are, today they're, they're commodities and their prices have dropped and, and the manufacturers have no control over the price on that uh, because a buyer is just going to go to the next guy. Right. So uh, we're, we avoid commodities. So we want companies that have some pricing power, some competitive advantage and a tie, a tie to and growing tie to uh, the renewable space. Yeah, I think one thing uh, when, when we talk about thematic investing is where does this fit into a portfolio? I, I think, you know, no matter how excited you are about renewables, nobody, uh, you know, we would say probably not a great idea to have all of your portfolio in the energy yeah, sector, or all of your portfolio in, in solar. So when you think about constructing a portfolio around themes like renewable energy, how do you think about that? Well, yeah, please don't go all in on this. Okay, yeah, we think it's a growing space, but don't tie your whole portfolio to it. Uh, there's a couple of ways to think about it. Uh, you could just do, just arbitrarily choose a number like 10%. Okay. Or you could look at, uh, I think there's 11 broad industry sectors in, what is it? GICS, GICS, uh, what is that? Global industry classification, classification system, system standard, some, something standard, like that. Something like that. So there's nine, 11 of those. So one, and one of those is energy. So that's 9%. Uh, or you could look at the S&P 500. The market cap of the energy companies in the S&P 500 is 2.3%, I think, is the latest number. So you could say 2% of my portfolio will be this or somewhere in between. So I, I think uh, a, a single digit, high single digit uh, exposure to this space would, would satisfy that. And then you'd have several investments within that. Uh, we're going to be growing the... Uh, uh, energy insider service uh, from an initial, I think it's 10, up to about 25 positions over, over this year. So, yeah, so, so keep, it, keep it a portion of, of your portfolio, uh, certainly something to think about. One other, one other thing, uh, looking from a, from a kind of a broad top down on this industry, there's lots of government involvement, whether that's emission standards in Europe or increasingly conversations around bills that could be passed in the US. In that environment, how do you weight what the government is doing into your thesis for for investing in companies, or, or how do you how do you uh, how do you think about that? Well, we're trying not to make that the the linchpin of the investment thesis. Uh, it's a nice to have, but we don't want it to be the the reason to invest in a particular company. And so it adds to the tailwind government spending, uh, whether it's through t like tax breaks or direct investments or mandates like the recent announcement by the uh, U.S. administration of more offshore wind uh, production. Uh, those are 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 nice to have, but I. We're not looking at companies that require that in order to succeed. So we want a company that uh, has a real business underneath and doesn't need uh, a boost from the government or any government uh, just, to, just to make it. 
right, uh, you know, companies that maybe you could benefit uh, for, from government action, but n- notwithstanding that, still can continue to thrive. So I think that that sets the stage for for you know what we're kind of looking for in this sector, how we're thinking from a broad uh, broad brushstrokes. But maybe now we can drill down into how we think about particular investment things that stand out. So so I asked you to bring maybe w- one company that, that that stands out to you in this renewable space uh, as attractive to you. So what what company is that? So I'm going to share one uh, one recommendation from the service that we put out. Uh, we launched the service a week ago, so it's a little early, but uh, uh, I was I was assured that I could talk about this. And it's uh, it's a company called Shoals Technology Technology Group. Uh, it's an, on the Nasdaq under the ticker SHLS, so Shoals. And what they do, they are they're they're the 100% solar panel company that we have in this this uh, this uh, portfolio, uh, but they don't make solar panels and they don't make inverters, inverters that is. Uh, solar panels are where the sun's shining on that and it gets converted into uh, electricity. Inverters take that direct current and convert it to the alternating current, the AC that the grid works on. But to get between those two, you need a whole bunch of wires, you need cables, you need uh, uh, switches, you need fuses, you need all kinds of hardware. And that's where Shoals plays. They they provide that. And that uh, stuff is called uh, the, the electrical balance of system or EBOS. And so they provide uh, uh, solutions. <laughs> solutions. Everyone provides solutions. <laughs> they provide this hardware and uh, and they sell it to the the contractors building these uh, building these sites. And uh, you also need them when you have uh, uh, energy storage, battery storage on those sites as well because you need to get get the energy from the battery into the AC, uh, into the grid system as well. And so uh, they uh, they make the solution uh, they make their products here in the US. They have a couple of plants in I think it's Tennessee and Alabama. Yep. I think that's right. Roll tight. And yep. And uh, what they're doing is basically plug and play kind of stuff. And so uh, it, it's easier to use uh, on their new system. Uh, the big LA, BLA, which stands for I can never remember, big lead assembly. That's what it is. Uh, it, you don't even need a uh, an electrician to install it. Uh, you just have these modules that plug together. And so what they're doing, even though those, the hardware is more expensive, it's easier to install, and that saves on the labor costs. And so the overall cost of ins- buying and installing the EBOS is less, and that's a win for the manufacturer. And it means that, they, uh, uh, that the cost of the electricity that they're producing goes down, and so that they can, uh, charge, uh, they can uh, sell it at a lower rate, and that helps the customer. So it's a win-win-win uh, kind of thing. Yeah, when you told me about this uh, this company, I, I was really interested on this thesis of we're making installations easier because uh, you know a couple of months ago, I think maybe a month or two ago, we did uh, I did a podcast with Jason Hall where we talked about uh, the, the the Department of Energy had put out a report, kind of the Solar Energy Futures Report. And one of the things they talked about in that report, um, and it makes sense when you think about it, is you hear all the time solar solar panel costs are coming down, down, down. They're they have steadily decreased year over year, going back you know better part of, of some decades. Um, and so w- what that breaks out to is as the solar panel costs have come down, the overall overall costs of actually putting solar solar uh, energy into the field have become more increasingly made up of the labor costs of installation. So I had a quote from that report. So, you know, there's different markets, there's residential, there's commercial. Um, 
So residential as a share, uh, residential soft costs, so that's like labor, things like that, as a share of total system costs have increased from 50% in 2010 to 64% in 2020. In the commercial market, it's gone from 33% uh, soft costs to 55% over that same time period. So where the costs really are showing up in this system increasingly is on the labor side of the market. And uh, this business is really designed around how can we keep labor costs as low as possible and they can extract super normal profits because they're focusing on that really key component of the market, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. So the the, the overall cost of installing, say, a, a utility scale plant is called levelized cost of, of electricity, LCOE. And for solar and wind, that is now competitive with coal. Uh, for if you were going to build a new coal plant or a new solar plant or a new wind plant, it's all going to cost you pretty much the same. And a lot of that has, as you were saying, Nick, has come from the, the lower prices of all the hardware, the, especially the panels or the turbines uh, when we talk about wind. Uh, and so to get to get the further get the further cost savings you want to uh, start uh, working on some of those soft costs the, the the labor the installation and a great thing about the BLA the big lead assembly is that it does uh, it doesn't require an electrician to uh, to install it you can use a general contractor because of that plug and play uh, thing you don't need an electrician to actually connect the wires correctly and put the crimps on and the caps on and and make sure it's all waterproof and all that that's all done with the manufacturing of this and all you need is uh, know where it goes and what parts to plug into which parts and, and so on so a general contractor is a lot cheaper to use uh, on the labor side than a, than a, a specialized contractor like an electrician is and so that's where uh, uh the ble is i think going to really help drive uh they started off it took a few years to get uh solar uh, installations, uh, the installers, the, the constructors to use them because it's a new way of making all these connections. The uh, the tried and true way is you bury all the cables, which means you have to dig the trench and you hire the electrician, you lay all the cables, you you, you fill in the hole and uh, you make all the connections. Uh, but the BLA uh, is above ground. Uh, it runs above the ground, which does expose it to weather. But uh, I, I, um, I'm pretty sure the company has tested that out, and, and so it's not going to be damaged uh, uh, by ice or, or snow, or or if it is, it's easy to fix. It, it, does, it doesn't require digging up the trench to figure out where the break is. And so uh, by saving the cost for the company, the installer, they started off, it took them a couple of years to get the first few sold, but now they're selling faster. Uh, just in the last quarter, they now have like 13, I believe, 13 new uh, uh sites that are that are you uh that are switching to the bla system all right so, so this big story of making installation easier which which it makes customers willing to pay a little bit higher price which helps drive uh, uh profits for the company so when you look at the type of financials uh, um that this business is delivering what really stands out to you there well it's profitable for one thing <laughs> which is nice uh it's growing its free cash flow uh, I'd, I'd like to see cash i would like to see cash positive companies right uh and the margins are going up uh the, the margins uh from uh in 2018 they were uh yeah 27 percent gross margin and 11 percent operating margin and in the most recent quarter they were 44 percent gross and 24 percent operating so the margins are going up uh, and that's great for cash flow generation, which means, uh, uh, which is the basis of the valuation of a company. And so they're generating more cash, and I think they're going to be more valuable in the future than what they are now. Yeah. One last thing to maybe uh, mention with them, we really like to see high insider ownership, and there is a lot <laughs> of insider ownership 
with this company, but there's also a little bit of a special structure here that is that is worth noting. So what can you tell us about about that? Yes. So uh, the founder, uh, Dolan? Solon. Solon. Uh, Dean Solon. Uh, he's the founder and CEO. He still has a 40% stake in the company, uh, but they're in uh, kind of a, a not really restricted stock, but you can have think, kind of think of it. They're not publicly traded. So if he wants to cash out, then the company is going to have to uh, issue new shares in order to uh, exchange them with him so that uh, uh, on a one-for-one -one basis and so that he can then sell the shares in, into the market. Uh, so uh, a lot of the so they went public earlier this year, and a fair amount of the money there was used to uh, cash part of his holdings out, along with uh, a few of other, a few other insiders. But um, so over time, we're going to be diluted as that happens, assuming it does happen, uh, but hopefully not to a great extent. And uh, I believe the company will grow fast enough that, to overcome that that sort of dilution. Yeah, just one, one point of clarification. So, so Solon is the former CEO. He is the founder of the business. I think he stepped down as CEO in late 2019, still is involved with the board and is very significant uh, a shareholder, and you'd imagine very engaged with operations when you own forty percent of a uh, of a quite large company. Yeah, he he loves to tinker, and he's he's involved in a lot of the innovations that they're bringing forth. Uh, their long term, I think it was the chief technology officer, uh, is now the CEO, uh, and he's been for the last couple of years. Yeah, also a significant shareholder, I, I believe as well. Uh, so, any final thoughts on on? Shoals uh, uh, for folks. This is really a business that's that's solving a problem in, in the market that is increasingly growing. Large insider ownership uh, and you know a, a real thesis to uh, to grow with a new product. Well, one of the, the interesting things is that uh, with the lockdown from COVID, uh, everyone was thinking, oh, that's going to have bad things for the new, renewable energy sector, and we're not not going to be building it as much. Actually, more capacity was added last year than it had ever been added before. Uh, even with the lockdown, and so uh, it's it's going to take a bit a bit of an effort, I think, more effort than a than a worldwide pandemic to uh, to knock this really back on its feet. And so I think it's a fairly res, uh, resilient industry at this point uh, as it continues to grow and as we continue to switch over. Yeah. So so uh, you know yeah maybe some last last thoughts. Then you know, we, we talked about Shoals, how to bring a foolish investment approach here. We talked about how renewable is really something we see growing in the future, but there are some uncertainties about the rate at which that takes place. So maybe to conclude, I got a, a couple final closing questions for you. So number one, what are you most certain about when it comes to renewable <laughs> energy over the next five years? It's going to it's going to continue to grow and probably continue to grow at a faster and faster pace. Countries worldwide, China is the biggest investor in renewable energy. Uh, US, I believe, is second. Europe is, uh, various countries in Europe are, are in the top 10. Uh, but it's going to continue to grow as uh, we need to get away from the carbon-based uh, electricity and fuel uh, sources of, of energy writ large, not just electricity, uh, for for the world. Um, as as EVs grow, there's going to there's there's going to be need for a lot of work on the grid because. Uh, I saw a recent article, I think it was from the Washington Post, uh, said that EVs are the future, definitely, but that means more electricity needed and not and beyond what we just use to run our houses and our businesses. Uh, and so the grid needs a lot of work, and we've got an investment involved in that as well. So, yeah, there's a lot to the renewable energy space, not just EVs, not just solar panels and wind. 
there's a lot involved, folks, and it's going to take a long time to get us to where we need to be. Yes. So I asked you what you're most certain about. So last question for you then is what is your biggest question over the next five years in renewable energy? Um, who's going to pay for it? <laughs> okay. Uh, that's why government mandate, government uh, uh, bills and uh, funding promises are are to some extent needed to really get this going because businesses, of course, when they invest, they want to see a return on their investment, but uh, it's going to take several years for that return to come in and the government uh, can, can, is, can be used to like prime the pump, so to speak. And uh, if the governments around the world are willing to invest more and more in that uh, and help uh, get it up and running to where the point where the business are feel comfortable uh, to take over, that is what's needed, but I think that's also probably the riskiest as political winds uh, shift and change over time. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Jim, thank you so much uh, for joining me to talk about uh, what's going on uh, over there uh, with this Energy Insider service. My pleasure, and I hope uh, hope everyone learned a little bit of stuff. I, I know I did. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for mixing the show. For Jim Mueller, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.